This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hey folks, it's Alzo Slay with Cheat here. You know, over the last few years, I've learned a lot about the nature of cheats and why people lie. Sometimes it's motivated by greed and money. Sometimes it's because of pride. And other times it's just because people think that they can get away with it. One of my first introductions to making content and speaking to an audience, if you will, was by being a class clown in school. And that turned into being a stand-up comic. And if there's one thing I know about stand-up comedy, it's kind of competitive. You got to be on your game and you got to always be coming up with new material. So one thing a lot of comics do is we go watch other comics. You know, we want to see what's out there. We want to meet our peers and see what's funny, what's not, find our voice and see what lands with the crowd. And that's all well and good until you find yourself sitting in an audience and laughing along when suddenly it hits you that, wait a minute, that bit sounds really familiar. Oh, shit. That's because it's my bit. This week on Cheek, joke theft. And it's no laughing matter. So, I've got some good news, and I've got some not-so-good news. This is actually our last episode of Cheat, and you may not hear from us for a while. So grab your Kleenex, wipe the tears. It's been an amazing journey telling you these stories. But the good news is we've got something extra special for you in this episode. I'm joined in the flesh, live and direct, by two amazing fellow comedians to try and better understand the culture surrounding joke theft. First up, we have a very good friend of mine. She's smart, she's funny. It's Chloe Hilliard. She's a comedian, TV writer, and award-winning author. Her book, Fuck Your Diet, is a collection of essays addressing weight, diet culture, feminism, and politics. In 2020, Chloe's book won Best Comedy at the African American Literary Awards. She's appeared on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and Comedy Central. And if that wasn't enough, she's also co-head writer and co-executive producer on the HBO award-winning series, A Black Lady Sketch Show. Chloe, what's happening? Hey, Alzo, how are you? Chilling. Appreciate you rocking with us today. Absolutely. And also joining us is another good friend of mine, Sydney Washington. She's a comedian, actress, writer, model, and podcaster. She's worked on Comedy Central and last year became an Emmy Award nominee for Outstanding Actress in a Comedy or Drama Series. This year, Sydney won the Writers Guild of America Award for TV and a Comedy Sketch Series and is working on her solo show, How to Start a Fire, directed by none other than Chloe Hilliard. What's up, Sydney? Hey. How you feeling? I'm here. I'm happy. Okay, that's good. I thought you was going to start with, I'm no, here. No, <laughs> no, I'm here and I'm happy to see you. And yeah, be man, here. It's, good, it's good to be with, with, with my peoples. I appreciate y'all rocking with us. In this episode series, we try to unpack, like, why people cheat, why people lie, 
Today we're talking about joke theft. And I figure why not bring some of the funniest and smartest comics that I know who are friends of mine on to unpack this thing in a substantive and funny way. So first question to you all would be, how would you define joke theft? Um, I would define it as someone who has watched you perform either in person or video or audio and regurgitates that joke with little to no change. If it's a personal joke, if it's something that is intrinsically yours, when you hear someone else perform it, it really like rings all the alarms because you're like, that is from my experience at this moment in my life where I made funny that I worked Mm -hmm. through or I didn't work through and I said it on stage as therapy or what. So it can be very personal to hear someone take your life material and and use it. Mm -hmm. Now, I think to me, that's the only way that you can really get upset over a joke because it's so a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. Everybody's thinking about mm-hmm. how they hate going to the DMV. Everybody's mm-hmm. thinking about mm-hmm. that kid crying on a plane. So that to me is like, I'll let that slide. But then also it makes me think as a comic, I need to dig deeper and make sure that my material is so attached to who I am mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. if you do steal it and I punch you in the face, I'm justified. <laughs> <laughs> Completely agree with Chloe. I... I think that is definitely joke theft. But a lot of the times, a lot of people do have surface, hacky, just really, I don't want to say regular, but it's a lot of material that people could have the same situation happen to them. Mm -hmm. It's not Mm -hmm. unheard of. Mm -hmm. We've all dated before. We all take the plane. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. even living with older people, you'll hear some jokes and you're like, damn, that's my joke. And it's like, no, you're not the only person who lived with someone who eats Werther's Originals. Like, it's, it's, you have to be so specific Mm -hmm. that if someone takes your joke, everyone is like, that is an Alzo Slate joke, word for word, bar for bar. A lot of times it is just premises or it is just uh, like surface around situation. And that's why it's easy to grab. I've been in in situations where somebody will tell a joke and I'm like, God damn it. Why did I think of that? But it's too late. It's too late. (laughs) It's too late. I think what makes each comedian special is like, if they're talking about from their perspective or their yeah. experiences. So even if somebody has a great like topical joke about an like something that's going on, I'm like, that's not me. I'm not Absolutely. a topical yeah. comedian yeah. and I'm not gonna get that right. The the yeah. best way for me to present who I am is to talk about what I've been through or what I've seen or something that happened to me because someone can't tell me that's wrong because that's what happened to me. Right. And nobody can steal it. Yeah. Because you're doing your special about how you set your house on fire when you was a kid. Mm -hmm. And somebody else say that, you're going to be like, come on. Yeah. 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 It's too, it's too, it's too intricate. I've I've had people roll up on me like early on in my comedy career after they saw me perform being like, I got a joke just like that. And I'm like, Okay. And in my mind, I'm like, I'll never do that joke again. Like, mm. it, it doesn't break me. I'm not going to, mm-hmm. like, once you say I have a joke like that, I'm never going to do it. Or if it's something that's about my life, I'm like, well, actually, I've been doing it. And so that's why it's also really important for comics to record their sets, even if you're just, like, doing mm-hmm. a hole-in-the-wall show. Because if it's a joke that you're like, I'm working on this joke so that it could be in my special, then you need to have, like, evidence that you've been working on that joke. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. I had a recent... Um, thing where I did Don't Tell Comedy and I have a joke about um, 
my girlfriend having like a, you know, a washer or a dryer and a printer or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there were people in the comments, they're like, that's a Shang Wang joke. That's Shang Wang. And I had never heard Shang Wang's joke about mm-hmm. it at all. So yeah. I was like, it just so happened that, yeah, people want printers. But right. the way I said it, I know that Shang Wang didn't say so what I, I said. I have a printer joke. I yeah. Mean, it's not like in my heavy repertoire, but mm-hmm. I had a printer joke that I used to do for a while talking about. Um, I knew my neighborhood was changing because I started seeing missing cat posters and they were printed in full color. <laughs> and it's like, you've got, you've got to have generational wealth to have a printer really? at home with ink, like yeah. in yeah. all the colors. Yeah. So everybody has a printer joke. Mm-hmm. Can you recall when you heard a comedian tell someone else's joke and how did you feel and did you do anything? When I was like two, three years in, still going to open mics, Telling newer comics like, hey, this comedian who you don't know because you have no reference of comedy already has this joke, already did this thing, or stop saying this person's joke because there's one thing when you say somebody's joke who's already established, who you're never going to cross. It's another thing when you're saying a comic who lives in the same city's joke and mm-hmm. you're going to cross paths eventually. It's going to get back to them and you will be confronted and you got to be able to like defend yourself. Yeah. But I, but the more and more I was doing shows and just getting out there, I was hosting an open mic too. Um, but if I see someone that I know, you've been watching that person set, mm-hmm. and now I see you doing something like that or similar, then I could like step in and be like, girl, I was there. Like, I know that you're taking this person's joke. But for the most part, like we were saying in the beginning, yo, a lot of the things that you're like, yo, this is my joke. It's like, no, this is the community's joke. Yeah. This is everybody's shit. It's been <clears throat> remixed, the different renditions of it. it. It's so communal that what do I look like trying to stop this? They'll figure it out. Well, I'll say this. There's been moments on stage, like in the moment where I've said like a line or a tag. And as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, that's so-and-so's joke. And then I remember... Like, okay, I'm never going to do it again. But in in that moment, it was truly incidental. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. it's time for me to pull out this person's joke. It's yeah. like, when it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, so-and-so says this joke. And they really, like, this is really their joke. I'm just throwing this out as an aside. But I know now never to do that joke because I don't want them mm-hmm. to think that I've been mm-hmm. stealing or mm-hmm. poaching parts of their mm-hmm. joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You all mentioned a community joke. What is a community joke? What is an example of a community joke? Mm. Women be like, men be like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's the that's the setup. But the okay. juice is in the punch. But usually, when they say that, I know they're about to say something that I've heard before. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you ever, you ever, you ever had like any any setup like where you throw back to hardships yeah. in your childhood yeah, yeah. or like mm-hmm. poverty, and it's so interesting because a lot of times you have mega successful comedians Mm -hmm. they get to a point where they can't do that material anymore nope and because it's like you're rich so you can't do a roach joke you can't do a cheese joke you can't do i grew up so poor joke so now what are you talking about now currently Mm -hmm. what is what are you pulling from your life and a lot of times when people get to a certain level of fame they don't want to pull from their lives anymore because they, you know, they want a level of privacy or they don't want to be vulnerable anymore. You know, and I think mm-hmm. after a point, people just start like curating these experiences to just have a joke to tell. And it feels so fake to me. Forced, yeah. forced. Yeah. And and a lot of times is and I see some of these people who are comedians. I'm like, you're in a writer's room back to back to back to back. You're not doing anything. How are you coming up with these stories? No, what you're doing is you're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, yeah. you're looking at other people's lives and then you're mixing 
presenting that Mm -hmm. and either putting it in people's shows or you're doing the jokes yourself. So it's like I see how like joke theft can happen because some people are desperate and it's not that they're not talented. They're just like, yeah, I can't be that vulnerable because I don't do shit or I don't know enough or I don't have this variety of like people in my life. So that's where they come from. Yeah, I'm glad that you're having this topic on your podcast because I think the only people that really truly care about joke theft are other comedians. And Mm -hmm. when we complain about it publicly, people are like, so what? Who cares? It's funny. And they really truly don't know. Like, if it's a joke that's that's truly attached to who you are as a person, the public doesn't know and doesn't care. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that makes it really hard being a comedian because people think it's easy and it's not. Let me ask you guys this. Do you think it's taken less seriously than... Other art forms like plagiarism in film, TV, books, etc. Oh, I, I think it's taken way less seriously because I think in comedy, it, the rule that was told to me was like, it, it could be your joke, but really, it belongs to the person whoever says it on television first. I've heard That's what that. I heard too. I've heard that. I've heard that. Wow. Once it, once it goes out to the masses, there's no. You sound crazy, being like that was my joke that they did on late night. Like no one cares. It's like whoever sold it to the masses first, it belongs to them now. And that's why you have this uneven power balance because you have somebody who's a big name coming in, sneaking into a club, sitting in the back, watching no-name comics, mm, taking, their, about it. taking mm-hmm. their material, and then go doing it on their tour, on their special. And there's nothing you can say because no one cares that a person with 1,100 followers is saying that a person with 9 million followers took their joke. Like, they're just, they just call you a hater. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. (laughs) If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. So one of the first people that may come to mind when it comes to joke stealing is Carlos Mencia. He's a former star of Comedy Central's Mind of Mencia. This dude was accused in the mid-2000s for plagiarism by George Lopez, Bobby Lee, and Joe Rogan. And Rogan ran up on him Mm -hmm. on stage. And um, he's been accused of stealing a joke from a 1986 Sam Kennison bit about what life would be like for Jesus if he were married. And Mencia later did a skit on his show, Mind of Mencia, with a similar premise. Now, let me see if I can bring this audio up and we can collectively take a listen and judge for ourselves. No wife would ever buy the fucking resurrection. He comes in the house, he's going, and where have you been for three days, Mr. Winemaker? Jesus is going, no, no, I'll tell you where I've been. First of all, not that it's important, but I was dead! <laughs> I'm changing spiritual form. I'm about to come into the kingdom of God. I go, wait a second. I better go back because she doesn't know where I've been. <laughs> 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 
You've been gone for like three days. You're unbelievable, Mary. They put a crown of thorns on my head. Then they nailed me to the cross. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then they left me on the hot sun till I died. Then they threw me in a cave. And what do I do as soon as I come back from the dead? See you. You're cheating on me, aren't you? So what y'all think? Okay, so Sam Keniston um, was a preacher before he was a comedian. And so for me, even though that isn't like a personal joke, that is a joke that comes from his experience, mm-hmm. his point of view mm-hmm. as a preacher who became a comedian. Then if you hear, you know, the sketch interpretation of it, it is directly connected to that same premise. It will be hard to equate if that's where he got it from, but it seems very similar. And I think what people don't realize, when you do a sketch show, because I work on a sketch show, when writers pitch stuff, we Google it right then and there Mm. to be like, does this sound similar? Has anybody done this before? And if they have, what will be our take that's different? And so we don't just go, oh, so-and-so has a joke on their special. We should make that a sketch. We do everything in our power to make sure that we vet all the pitches that come in from Mm -hmm. our writers. And they are asked to do it before they even pitch it to us. And then we do it again to make sure that we're never in a position where we're producing a sketch that is connected to someone else's intellectual property. Mm. And I think, you know, the difference with Carlos Mencia is like at that time, when his show came out, social media wasn't that big. There was no real way. People didn't have like their material online. Mm -hmm. So unless you personally experienced or had an album from one of these comedians or watched your special, you would have no way of cross-checking whether to see if your material is connected to somebody else's stuff that already came out. So it does feel intentional. Like if he was like, oh, I love Sam Kennison and I want to take this joke and make it into a sketch, that's intentional. So the outcome of the Carlos Mencia thing as it stands right now is that he's continuously denied stealing jokes from other comedians and he's become a controversial figure in the comedy community. One more comic that I want to talk about when it comes to joke stealing. Uh, She's been in the press about it. And caveat is that, you know, I don't want to mess up nobody's money here that's on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Sydney has worked with this comic uh, writing for a show. So, Sydney, you can you know, recuse yourself <laughs> as you see fit because I can't, I can't pay your rent or your no. mortgage. Or, you know what I'm saying? Not on this pod. Yeah, ex- exactly. You ending it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. She's been accused of stealing jokes by Kathleen Madigan, Wendy Liebman, and Tammy Pescatelli. Mm-hmm. And I'll just play a couple examples of this and... Chloe, maybe you and I could talk about it if Sydney just going to sit back and drink <laughs> drink a Coke. No, no, no. Keep going. Right, Keep going. Here we, go. here we go. Maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I like it when the guy pays <laughs> for sex. I, I mean that. I am a good person, I swear to you. Like, I'm very old school. I think the guy should always pay on the first date for sex. That was Liebman first and then Schumer second. That's the first one. There's one more where... Kathleen Madigan, she did a a joke from her Comedy Central special in 2006. There's no audio for it, but I'll read it in the best way that I can. So Madigan says, I get why poor people are fat, but Oprah, you're a billionaire. You have enough money to pay a man to stand there and literally slap shit out of your hand before you put it in your mouth. You could hire a full-time food slapper. 
Schumer's joke. She does a skit on her show called Slap Chef. It's a fake commercial about a new weight loss program where a chef slaps the food out of your hands before you eat it. Okay, so the first one is definitely very, like, eerily similar. And Wendy Lieberman is known for her delivery. So that, like, setup and, like, sideswipe is classic Wendy. And so, to me, it's more like a, a tonal thing also, as, as well as a material thing. Mm-hmm. It's like the inflection. It's the delivery. It's, right. it's very, very similar. So that one would be a little bit hard to, like, dispute. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is similar to, like, Carlos Mencia and Sam Kennison. It's like, here you have an actual joke, and then you have an interpretation of that joke. And that, to me, is a little harder. I don't want to say that Amy herself stole this concept. It is a writer's room. And, you know, like I said, on Black Lady Sketch Show, when you have a writer's room of people who are pitching stuff, you have to vet the material. When you would perform someone's joke and interpret it in material for a screenplay, a script, it's a little bit harder because there's other writers involved. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah, not, no, I don't think fair. it's just Amy's fault. Yeah. But and also, people have other people go to shows, listen to stuff, yeah. and come back. It, but this is, it's, I want to be clear. It's not the intention. Like, as a head writer in a room, I'm not telling my writers to go out and listen to people's material. Yeah. It's on them to do that. Mm-hmm. It's on the, it, It's on them if they choose to do that. I don't know where they get the idea yeah. from. But if I hear an idea and I'm like, that sounds familiar, I think someone's done that already, let's look it up, and mm-hmm. we see it, then we're not doing it. But yeah. I'm not going to say that looks familiar, that sounds familiar, and we still do it. Yeah. But that's, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. that's why yeah. there's, like, there should be checks and balances. Yeah. Yeah. So the current situation when it comes to Amy Schumer is a lot of the comedians who accuse Amy have actually since deleted their tweets about Schumer. Wendy Liebman tweeted that she and Schumer were probably parallel thinking when it came to the paying for sex joke. And actually, in 2022, Amy Schumer took a lie detector test regarding her joke-stealing allegations in an interview with Vanity Fair. It shows she was telling the truth when she said she didn't steal jokes. And Amy has gone on to have a successful career, obviously. And so does it matter that these allegations have followed her if they have? And does the fact that she's a woman in comedy matter when it comes to allegations of joke stealing? And and I think this is a proper question for y'all is like, are women scrutinized more in comedy? And in this conversation we have not only women but black women well black women are scrutinized because nobody pays us any attention mm-hmm. but um <laughs> when it comes to white women or i would just say women in general in comedy it's so few of us who get to peek through to the upper echelons of like massive success right mm-hmm. there's you know when people talk about women comedians they say Amy Schumer, they say Tiffany Haddish, and they may be hard-pressed to say a third at this time in comedy. Yeah. Um, years prior, they would say, you know, Whitney Cummings or, you know, Eliza Schlesinger or Chelsea Handler. You know, so there are names that we hear because these women have gone from, like, the club to the theater to a special to a show to a movie. But there aren't a lot of us in abundance that all have that same opportunity at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that makes it even more critical when you have one person that you can focus all your attention on. And, you know, there may be 500 men compared to one Amy Schumer, and they all could be, you know, interpreting other people's material, but they don't get scrutinized because it's 500 of them. And who has the time to sit there and, like, nitpick? We'll be right back after the break.
a couple of times you all have said that people don't care about joke theft, like the general public. Yeah. Audiences don't care about joke theft, only comics. So do you think joke theft damages a comic's reputation? It damages your reputation in our industry and amongst us, right? So, so imagine if like, if all the comedians worked at like a department store and you have one person who is making all the commissions because they're smoozing, smoozing and and they're like, you know, making the client feel great. And so everybody wants to go to them. But you know that they're doing things that you taught them or that they saw you doing. Only you care about that. The public is like, I'm having a great experience with this person. They know everything that I want. They anticipate. They make me happy. They make me feel special. I, I feel seen. And so we care, but at the end of the day, that person's making a bunch of commission. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the the bosses and the powers that be only care about the person that's making a bunch of commission. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you could be in your feelings, but that person's still going to be successful. Now, what will happen is when they come around to the break room, you may not talk to them. You may They're not, not get no play. And I've seen yeah. it. I've seen it. Like there's people who have projects. Nobody will repost it. Nobody will comment on it. Yeah. Nobody has mm. anything. They don't have no say in it. And it's like, but they've built an empire on, you know, lies and deceit, lies and deceit and work. But I mean, do you want to be a comics comic and, you know, be loved by your peers? Or do you want to have these masses who will come and support whatever you do and come out? And get your money. You know, it's mm. there is a middle, but yeah. I'm saying there is also the extreme of I know a lot of comics comics who don't steal jokes and they are not able to pay their rent. Yeah. And they are not mm. in, in, in anything. And mm. but they're still going to shows, crushing it every time, giving it their all. But they they ain't making no coin. So it's like, you know. You doing the right thing is good because you're like morally, oh, I know that I'm gonna go to bed and be a good person, but then they ain't got no good sheets to sleep on or they ain't got no no food. And yeah. the people yeah. who are doing this quote, quote, joke theft or whatever, at the end of the day, they doing fine. Yeah. And also, and also, I think a lot of times, like the, the, the examples that you showed of people, comics who are like, well, we made amends or mm-hmm. I, maybe it was me. It's like the truth of the matter is they know that this is not a hill that they can die on mm. because that nope. person who they're challenging as being the person that's still they're the at the joke, top of the hill. They're at the top of the hill. And also they have a legion of fans. And now with like this fandom and social media and trolls, it's like they will ruin your life. They will absolutely ruin your life for speaking up on behalf of your art and your experience. And who wants that headache? Who wants that headache? Reddit is a sick place and those people have nothing but time and Wi-Fi to ruin your life. Let's talk about how social media has changed comedy. So TikTok has become huge. Um, We'll see if it's banned or not, but where folks just go online and... They may be comics. They may use other people's stuff who's not comics, but they go viral using stuff that is not theirs. And I want to play this montage of clips for y'all and and discuss it. Okay, well, that's you. But on the other hand, me? Oh, I'm going to turn up. Girl, don't do it. It's not worth it. I'm not going to do it, girl. I was just thinking about it. I'm not going to do it. I did it. We in this bitch, finna get crunk. Abraz on fleek, the fuck? Nobody's gonna know. Nobody's gonna know. They're gonna know. How would they know? Woo, that'll do it. (laughs) You don't have to worry about me. You do not have to worry about me. (laughs) 
Oh my God, corny, lame, boo. Tomato, 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 I'm throwing tomato. Okay, for the record, <laughs> as we played that montage, Sydney Washington knew every single one of them. Obsessed. And she was over here lip-singing herself, miming and... They're all a hit. Every single one of them, a hit, a hit, a hit. I will say, everybody has done their due diligence to make sure they knew who the original creator is and are probably following those creators or um, they have definitely have blown up from it as well. The creators from, have blown up. Yeah, from yeah. doing that sound. I Yes, but not to the degree that they should because people are still reposting it. And I think, you know, on Instagram now, you'll see like the audio and they'll say original and then it'll be like the person who posted it. And you're like, I know this is not your voice. Mm -hmm. So I do wish that there were... The same way, like, you can't post a song that's owned by Universal Music Music Group and they'll flag it and take it, your shit down. I feel like we should get to the point where it's like, this is my voice. And anywhere where my voice is used, I need to be compensated or I can say I'm taking yeah, it down. That, that would be dope. That would be amazing, especially for, you know, vocal artists or yeah. comedians or spoken word poets, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, if one, it helps you introduce to the larger body of work that this is being taken from. Also, it can actually compensate people whose voices we hear all the time now because they're regular people who just say funny shit on social media, they should absolutely be compensated. Yeah. Like, they should get a percentage of every view that their voice generates. And then the other part, it's like, also, we got to protect our own intellectual property because we are weeks away from everything being AI generated. So now yep. people can just take your voice and be like, I like the way Alzo's voice sounds. I'm just going to recreate his voice and have him saying a bunch of shit. And if you don't have the wherewithal or the money to fight it, you can't do nothing about mm. it. That's crazy. And yes, it's a great way of, oh, getting the joke out there and it's viral. But if people aren't tagging and mm -hmm. saying that's your joke, then it's just somebody else getting all these likes and views mm -hmm. off of your material. Uh, but I will say sometimes how people act out the joke is funnier than the joke. So <laughs> I will give them that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if someone's just saying a joke lip syncing it on TikTok and now it has like two million views. How does that help? How does that help the person who actually yeah. did the joke? Mm -hmm. But again, that goes back to what I said earlier about like comedy is not really respected as an art form mm. because people think that lip syncing it is just <laughs> as valuable as having credited the actual person. And that's the problem with like you want to put your material out there because you're like, yes, I, people are going to see this and they know it's mine. But then you open up the door to someone seeing your stuff and they're like, oh, I'm going to remix this or, oh, I'm going to take this word for word and this is going to work. And and if somebody confront me and what you going to do, what's going to happen? Yeah. I'm still going to get jobs. I'm still going to get money. So what's the problem? Yeah. The clips that I have put up on Instagram, some have definitely gone viral. I don't really have people that um, remake my stuff, but I do know when I see people who I know in real life, when their joke gets remixed, if it comes across me, I send it to them like, hey, this person's doing your joke. Like, mm. you should. It has three million views. You may want to hit them up and be like, can you tag me, please, or something. No, I, I actually say, please don't tag me because I don't even want, why am I just getting tagged? Like, if I'm not getting, the, if this is, if these views are not on my page, yeah. I don't, I don't want the, the trickle down 
I don't want the runoff of your because you, know, you, you, you just another view. Yeah, no way. Watching. But you I'm know, good. the part about it is, I think it is important to tag people because a lot of times in the comments, people are like, "Who is the comedian?" Mm-hmm. I want to know who this person is. I think this material is funny. Clearly, it's not yours because you're a housewife in Nebraska who's talking about being a sexy black woman in Brooklyn. So where'd you, <laughs> where'd you get this? Where'd you get yeah. this material from? So I can follow that person. So it is a good way for people to discover you and like say, okay, if this was the watered down version. I want the pure version, so let me go follow this person. And you'll get like dedicated fans that way. But it, I don't it's know. Really I, haven't, I haven't seen it. All I see is that because the the way it works on the internet, the way people view what's funny is not the same as if when you're actually in the comedy club. Yeah. Oh yeah. So absolutely. so their minds for me is scrambled eggs. Like what they <laughs> think is funny. No, no, no. I I'm not saying that the audience is is dumb. Mm-hmm. But I will say that they rather have a watered down version because that's easier to digest. They don't want to have to actually sit in the club and hear a a, a five minute bit and hear the payoff at the end yeah. or the story. Yeah. I mean that that definitely is true. Yeah. But it also begs the question, is there anything that is actually really original? Mm. Not anymore. Mm. Not anymore. I, I truly believe this. Um, I believe that everything right now is a photocopy of a photocopy. But I do I guess, think the the ahead. people who are like not like famous or not going viral or their jo- they'll put their jokes out there and it's not getting a lot of like traction. It's not because it's not funny. It's just because it's not communal. It's not yeah. one of those things that oh I can relate to it or that has happened to me. You mm-hmm. know the things that are super niche or people are like huh that's the stuff that I'm like yo. Nobody has done that before. Yeah. Nobody. The other people have to get on board with this for it to um, go viral and say, oh, this is good. And then it gets validity like, oh, it's funny. Yeah. Because people people hate taking risks. They they want to laugh at the easy stuff. They yeah. want to get the stuff that they just, they already know where it's going to go. Yeah. And I think also with the social media thing, it really does a disservice to actual comedians because now you have like a generation of comics who have sprouted up over mm-hmm. the past like five, six mm-hmm. years. And all they do is record material for social media Mm -hmm. and they just come up with like a 20 30 second clip and they never like dig down deeper into the joke and so like if you are a fan of stand-up comedy and you go and see somebody live like please support stand-up comedy like go to the club see the comics who are really honing their skills social media is cool but like if you want like a real experience go to your local comedy club see who's coming into town yeah support the comics that you like like Tell your friends about them, like, truly, because there's still a group of people out here, a lot of us, who are, like, really love and appreciate the art Mm -hmm. of stand-up comedy. And we put a lot of time and energy and effort in our own, like, hardships, our our traumas, our, like, triggers, like, a lot of our, like, personal emotional shit that we can't afford therapists for until (laughs) we get to a certain point (laughs) is what we say on stage. Uh, Let the folks know where they can find you all on social media. You can find me at Chloe underscore Hilliard, H-I-L-L-I-A-R-D, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm not on TikTok because they ban me every time I post something. Um, You can also go to ChloeHilliard.com and join my mailing list so you can be in direct contact with me in case I continue to get banned on social media platforms. And what about you, Sid? Uh, I'm on Instagram, JustSidBW. I don't really use Twitter anymore, so it doesn't matter. And I'm on TikTok, but that's very much a work in progress. So just hit me up. On Instagram, that's the most interaction you're going to get from me. Baby, thank you. Well, no, thank you all 
for hanging with me and having this dope conversation. Joining us here on Cheat, it's been um, great to hang with y'all. And, you know, I appreciate both of y'all's time. And for the folks listening, wherever you are, Cheat will be going off the air for the foreseeable future. But we have four strong seasons. If you have not listened to them, go back and listen to them. It's time. Yes, it's time. If you have listened to them all, then that means you're a fan and you probably would enjoy listening to them again. (laughs) (laughs) So since we might not meet again in this spot on this podcast, who knows? We may pick it up later on. But for now, I'll say goodbye. And I really appreciate y'all listening. It means a lot. And you can listen to all our previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from, including wild stories like this one. I don't think they're going to lie to you, but they're nuns. It's not like somebody was forcing her to embezzle this money and then take it to Vegas and put it on the table. Cheat is presented by me, Alzo Slade. And this dope episode was produced by Casey Georgie and Olivia Cope. The executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs and Tom Koenig. The series editor is Megan Dietrich. The original idea for the show was developed by Tom Fuller. Mixing and scoring by Martin Peralta at Output Media. Kyra Asabe Bonsu is our associate producer. Special thanks to the Sony legal team. Our production coordinators are Jennifer Mystery and Ecare Egbatola. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.